Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, hello and welcome to episode 113 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. Now, Michaela, we are recording early because you and I right now, um, if you're listening to this the day that it came out, we are at... Uh, Walt Disney's Hollywood Studios. I'm probably standing in front of the Millennium Falcon, uh, you know, just in awe of the spectacle and the beauty of it. Uh, but how are you doing? How have you enjoyed our hypothetical week of uh, Disney adventures um, we've had so far? I, I want to say, uh, just looking into the future, uh, my feet are probably pretty tired. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm I'm going to have clocked thousands and thousands of steps i'm gonna have some highs and some lows on some ride i'm gonna really try and not be the parent that ends up screaming at their kid at three in the afternoon because i'm tired and they're tired and it's nap time for both of us and we decided to skip that because we're at disney and it's the happiest place on earth so i'm yeah. really gonna try um and have a zen disney experience mm. um yeah so that's that's what I'm that's what I'm going to say. I, I don't know how many movies we're going to have watched that week <laughs> because we'll be so tired. We will be we'll be very tired. Now, we did uh, schedule a day uh, off right in the middle, which just happens to be on Oscar uh, nomination announced or Oscar finalist announcement uh, for the categories uh, on our day off. So we will be able to to watch those and uh, check in on those. So that'll be fun. We can start getting our list together and see what we need to get watching as soon as we get back. But uh, yeah, uh, very excited about the trip and very excited about talking about this week's uh, movies. That's one of the one of the all time uh, great movies, maybe the greatest of all of the war films ever made. And that is Saving Private Ryan. So why don't we do this, Michaela? Let's take a quick break. We'll go whip up a cocktail to honor this film and we'll be right back to uh, tell everyone how to make one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this week, we're going into northern France to pay our respects to the men and women who stood against tyranny in the Second World War and raising a glass of a nifty little riff on the gin and tonic by highlighting the flavors of the region in our Normandy flower. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. It's a it's a lovely little cocktail. It is a lovely name, Normandy Flower. Um, and if you ever have the opportunity to make your way uh, to Normandy, to uh, the American Cemetery and to the landing beaches there, um, you know, it's a 
it's a beautiful area and they have some beautiful flavors. Uh, Michaela, you and I have both been fortunate enough to visit uh, the American cemetery there in Normandy and uh, pay our respects and, you know, just kind of absorb it. It's a, it's a very somber and uh, beautiful place, you know, very, very kind of haunting still to this day as a lot of it remains um, unchanged and, you know, just the amount of respect to, um, you know, we're, we're here, um, you know, in, in the United States, but, you know, also to uh, England and to Canada and, you know, all the countries around the world who also landed on the beach that day. It's, it's just a, it, like I said, it's, it's a beautiful and uh, haunting place. So if you ever have the opportunity to go, I think you definitely should, and you'll definitely run across some of these uh, flavors that we have today. So let's uh, get into this cocktail a little bit. So this recipe, um, there's the Normandy flower you can find on a bunch of different, uh, cocktail websites and things, but the one we found, which actually had some amounts, uh, came from bespokeunit.com. Um, and it's uh, pretty simple. You're going to build it just, you know, in a tall, like Collins glass or in a short rocks glass, just however you would normally do your gin and tonic. But this one's uh, pretty simple to put together. So why don't you run through the ingredients for everyone, Michaela? Sure. It's going to be two ounces of Calvados. And if you're like me and never remember what that is, it's just apple brandy. Um, so you can find that at almost any liquor store. Uh, half an ounce of elderflower liqueur. Um, Saint Germain is a really famous one, but it doesn't have to be that. Uh, and then a quarter of an ounce of lemon juice. Yes, use real lemon juice because this is going to be a very delicate kind of addition to, to the cocktail. Um, and you're going to put it in, like you said, a tall Collins glass, put some uh, ice in it, top with tonic, uh, and then make an orange peel to make it real pretty. Yeah, and then absolutely. you're going to toast to uh, toast to the brave uh, men who gave the ultimate sacrifice on that beach and uh, enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Calvados, as you mentioned, Michaela, is apple brandy. Calvados uh, specifically comes from the Normandy uh, region of France. They're in northern France. So um, if you ever do have occasion uh, to go there, you'll you'll find Calvados. You'll find uh, apple cider, uh, hard apple cider. That is a big part of the cuisine up there. And it is absolutely delicious. It's very dry and, and umptious. Um, if you can't find Calvados, um, you know, at kind of any apple brandy will do. They make it all over the world. We make apple brandy here, um, in the United States. I think we actually used a, an apple brandy that was made here in North Carolina, local to us and, uh, elderflower, uh, liqueur also, uh, hailing from France, the one that we used, uh, which I'm drawing a blank on the, the name of you had a fancy one and a very pretty bottle, uh, that comes from, uh, Southern France. So, uh, yeah, it is, it's very much a nice homage to, uh, this region of France in sort of this, uh, little tonic drink. And yeah, it's very beautiful. Uh, we actually used a, a little ice ball sphere that you had a flower in. Uh, if you look at the picture on the website, it's very lovely. It's very beautiful. Um, and that's all, always a, a good time and a good thing to do. And certainly uh, set off the name there, the Normandy flower, uh, with the way that it looks. But, yeah. uh, you know, you'd mentioned that it's delicate. What did you think about this one, Michaela? So like an elderflower gin and tonic is like your favorite drink, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> like that, that is, that's an old standby. We could, we could do, we do the lobby bar where we feature a different drink, you know, all the time you can make midweek, but Michaela mostly just makes uh, elderflower gin and tonics. That's honest, true. So. That's very true. Um, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was, uh, it was a nice change. Um, I don't know why we, we don't, or I don't do more, um, things with like an apple brandy in it. We talked last week about, um, using cognac and that was, that's used to scare me <laughs> because I thought it was, you know, kind of this old man kind of, um, 
liqueur or, you know, or, or beverage. Um, same with apple brandy. It sounds like something like your grandmother would love uh, mm -hmm. or something. Um, but this was delicious. Um, it was very tasty and you could change the tonic out if you wanted to do elderflower tonic, you could, but you certainly don't have to. There's a lot of other ones out there. Um, it just depends on what you want, what flavor on top you would like to add. I thought this was really lovely. Um, and I did really enjoy the exercise of um, taking small flowers and putting them in ice um, and going ahead and freezing them um, mm -hmm. because you get this really beautiful kind of um, block of ice with a flower in it that unfolds over the course of your drink, which is really nice. Um, it didn't change the flavor, but it looked really cool. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I thought this was lovely. Yeah. And certainly if you wanted to do kind of that same uh, routine with things like um, like herbs or something like that, you could do that to uh, add a distinct uh, kind of layer to that as the ice melts and the herbs uh, came out to change kind of the aromatic uh, complexity of your drink. You could certainly uh, do that. And, you know, most importantly, it looks pretty in your glass. So, yeah, this was this was a delicious little twist on it. And, uh, you know, every every once in a while we do a cocktail here on the show that that requires um, some Calvados or apple brandy. We've done uh, a few of those now. So it's nice to have another, you know, a a simpler uh, but delicious uh, idea, something to do with that. So uh, now that we have these made, Michaela, let's uh, let's uh, finish these. We'll mix up one more, and then we'll be back to uh, chat about, you know, just one of the greatest uh, tellings of uh, World War II story and Saving Private Ryan. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Spoiler warning for Saving Private Ryan: If you've not yet seen this film, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about all the things. And I have to tell you that this was the first film that was spoiled for me as a, as a person growing up and nothing made me angrier. So I'm going to give you all the chance that I never had. And you can press pause. You can go make yourself a Normandy flower. You can carve out three hours of your day and you can watch it. And then you can come back and we can chat about it because we're going to talk about it, <laughs> all of it. And you're going to be really upset with the end if we if you're listening. I just promise you will. So, yes, you've been warned. Yeah, this one, uh, this one does have a, you know, for being a war story, it does have actually a, a pretty good uh, twist to it. And, you know, definitely kind of pulls this uh, little red herring at the start. So, yeah, so definitely if you haven't if you haven't seen it um, and you're, you know, of age to, you know, see something of this content, you should definitely, definitely should. It's definitely worth your time to watch. So uh, with that in mind, Michaela, this was released in 1998. It was directed by Steven Spielberg, and it stars Tom Hanks as Captain Miller and Matt Damon as Private James Ryan. Uh, plus, there are about, I don't know, like 100 other just brilliant actors and actresses that are in this thing uh, to bring this story together. And we're going to talk kind of a little bit about them and the the company that is uh, accompanying uh, Captain Miller as uh, we go through the story here. So, uh, yeah, so this was a, a pretty big deal when it came out, Michaela. This was nominated for 11 Academy Awards, but we'll get into that. Yes, it uh, was. A little bit a little bit later, we're going to go straight into the movie uh, this time, and we'll check back in on uh, how it did on those 11 Academy Award nominations. So we get into this movie, Michaela. We see an old gentleman uh, strolling there through the American Cemetery at Normandy. Uh, it's very iconic. You can see all of the white crosses and uh, Stars of David just uh, lined up in these 
perfect rose uh, from start to front. Uh, he's kind of walking there. You can see like his wife and uh, presumably his kids and maybe grandkids kind of tagging along behind him. Uh, he is walking until he finally stops in front of a tombstone, uh, sees the name and uh, kind of closes in on these uh, very, very blue eyes. Uh, and then the scene changes to another set of very, very blue eyes uh, standing on a landing craft that is making its way from the coast of England to the coast of France, uh, which took about 24 hours. So I uh, can't even imagine that and can't even imagine the horrors that unfold when that door drops down. Yeah. So <clears throat> for anybody who doesn't know uh, history at all, this is um, a, a pretty good um way to learn it i suppose um we were in the it was in 1944 there's actually um, it's june 6th actually <laughs> it's a very <laughs> important day and this was a um this was what they called d-day and so there were i don't know hundreds of destroyer boats that fit you know 350 people in like a two by two box i mean there were tons of kids um young kids that were um serving that were kind of thrown in in off of these boats they would open up and you would just run out and um the enemy which was i guess uh on the beach um with their guns would be kind of mowing these these poor people down um with machine guns and uh all sorts of bombs and different different guns and fi firepower all over the beach and um so we see Tom Hanks's character. He's in one of these boats. Um, as you say, his, his, his name is uh, Captain Miller. And it's his group. You don't know how many there are. There's so many of them in this boat. And then they find, they say, okay, here's the plan. They're kind of shouting it over these waves. Um, I love the cinematography of this portion. I mean, in the first 20 minutes are really iconic. But this part I love a lot because it the camera moves with the ocean. So you feel a little seasick. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that was definitely by design um, because, of course, when they open the doors and the, the soldiers start running off, they're immediately getting uh, cut down by all of this bullet, these bullets that are kind of racing through. So then they get this idea to go over the side. That's really hard uh, to do because they're in 10 or 20 feet of water. Um, and they've got a lot of heavy equipment on. And so you're seeing like it, very in your face, like this reality, harsh reality of war. And I mean, that's just the first like minute into this scene. Um, mm -hmm. And it it just gets so much worse <laughs> after that. <laughs> Yeah, as, uh, as it kind of makes its way through the beach, and we're not going to get into all kind of the, the gritty details of this, but yeah, we're seeing kind of this beach storming, um, you know, in ways that war films had never done before. It was very kind of epic and grisly um, in scope. It was utilizing kind of a lot of new techniques that you see now um, were kind of pioneered here in the way that they were playing with the sound design as explosions were going off and uh, ways it was, you know, kind of slowing down time a bit and uh, speeding things up. And, you know, you feel just as um, kind of disoriented and scared and, uh, you know, all of all of those emotions that all of uh, those uh, young men were feeling, uh, you're feeling that here. And um, you mentioned kind of the cinematography for this. And, you know, looking back on it, I think that that was one of the really kind of brilliant 
things that Steven Spielberg did here in this section. And if if you're listening to this now, you've seen the movie and and you know how kind of impactful this first 28 minutes of of this movie are. But but now I think if you were doing that and um, you know something in uh, you know, a, a war film that you're doing today, you'd use a lot of CGI to really kind of blow up the scope of this. And you'd see, you know, kind of further down the beach. And certainly this did that um, to an extent, but it felt very, <laughs> it felt very big in scale, but very small kind of in scope as you're really kind of honed in on this uh, group of people coming off of this boat. And it just makes it kind of all that much more um, impactful as, you know, <laughs> they're trying to figure out how to go, right? you are taking every inch and uh losing lives along the way but uh good news is uh for you know captain miller um and kind of his uh team there most of them are able to kind of push up the beach and get into the uh german bunkers and strongholds and uh get those uh taken out and secure kind of their uh section of the beach so we make our way through uh sort of this d-day landing section um and we're kind of going to be uh transported into a little office you see a bunch of women they're sitting at uh, typewriters and they're writing up the telegraphs that are going uh back home to the mothers and uh fathers and wives of uh people who did not uh, uh fare so well on that day and uh any of the days of world war ii and uh one of the women there uh notices something as she's typing up a letter yeah, and uh, I don't know, I mean, if this is how this would have happened, um, but she, you see this, again, the cinematography here here is really impeccable. It's so cleanly done because she gets up, you can see her in the scope of, there's probably five or six ladies in kind of a line of desks, and you see her walk to another desk, pick up another letter, and then she walks to another desk and picks up another letter. And it's all in one movement. And then you see her take these letters over to um, this kind of uh, office with uh, like an officer in it who's looking at it. And then they they walk together over to the general's office and they're talking about how these three letters are um, representative of these three boys that are um, the Ryan brothers and four of the Ryan brothers or all four of the Ryan brothers are enlisted and they are all, they were all fighting in different areas of the world. And three of them have passed in like the last week and a half. And so it looks like they're going, their mother or their, their family is going to be getting telegraphs, telegrams of their death, uh, at about the same time. Now, um, Watching this now, what, this was a very tough moment um, to take in as a parent because you, I can't even imagine losing one, but losing like three <laughs> human beings that you created. It's very, um, it's just completely, I, I don't really have words for it. And the way in which this part of the film was filmed in the scope where you have the the mother doing dishes and she's in this, um, I think they're from Iowa and it's it's a very mm. grand um, kind of vast space where the farm is, and there's not a lot of action. There's one road, there's one car coming down the road, and you can tell she notices that it's definitely a um, a military car that's coming down, and that can mm. never be good news when all four of your sons are away at war. And so this the the scene where she's going to get these telegrams and she kind of stands and tries to stay upright and she can't really because she knows that they're going to be delivering bad news 
and she doesn't yet know that it's bad news times three. Um, mm-hmm. It's really just very heart wrenching to watch, especially after you've just watched 30 minutes of what those boys probably went through, whether it was uh, on D-Day or something very similar to that. Um, just really, really strong, very strong and very hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's di- very difficult to watch. As as you said, you see that car uh, pulling in, and as as a mother or parent or uh, spouse, you know exactly what that car is there to do to, but to, you know get the get the news of uh, three of your uh, children there on the same day, and you see kind of uh, someone from the the war department, I guess, whoever is uh, delivering the telegram, and uh, a priest uh, coming out of the car, and you know she just kind of collapses to the ground. So, uh, yeah, very very hard stuff. But we get uh, we get tasked with the mission, right? The the colonel says, if that boy is still alive, then we're going to get him the hell out of there. Um, and that is uh, what's going to happen. So Captain Miller, uh, who's an army ranger, uh, has his platoon there, and they get tasked uh, with going to find uh, Private Ryan. Uh, their job is to find Private Ryan. Um, in the middle of this, uh, I believe Captain Miller says it's like finding a needle in a stack of needles because uh, World War II is very, very vast in scope. Uh, it's not like you could just track someone down or pick up a phone and call someone. So, I mean, you're literally going to be walking through the countryside and uh, trying to get tipped off on uh, where this uh, Private Ryan is, who uh, was a member of the Airborne, but uh, they don't always land where they're supposed to land and they don't always get to wherever they're supposed to get. So this is going to be hard to do, but he's got a plucky little crew going along with him i will say so we've got sergeant horvath who's played by tom sizemore private ribin who's played by edward burns private jackson who's played by barry pepper private mellish played by adam goldberg private caparzo who's played by vin diesel and then we have uh the medic wade uh played by giovanni rabisi and uh corporal upham who is kind of a translator uh kid played by jeremy davies so this crew is on their way um yeah, and where do, where do you start, Michaela? You have to go find you have to go find this boy from Iowa uh, in right. the middle of France. You have no idea where he is. What do you, what do you do? You just you start walking and uh, hope you get lucky. You take a tip and move on to the next. Yeah, so they they get the intelligence, and again, the, the surprise: uh, the government is not perfect because it's made of humans, uh, and so they were told that hey, in a perfect world, they this this his company um, would have been landed in a city of Nivelle. Um, So they start walking to it. Um, they uh, find a, a, a kind of this other grouping of soldiers in uh, a city that has been completely bombed. Uh, there are like walls that are falling over and there's tons of bricks and debris everywhere. And in fact, there's a scene where uh, we see Paul Giamatti as a captain, as another captain who is there. And he's like, I don't have any idea what, who you're talking about there. If they're here, I, they're probably not still alive, but I've never heard of this kid. Um, and they, they kind of, he's like, uh, leaning on something that falls into a wall and then the wall collapses and it shows like six or seven of the enemy like on the other side of this wall and then there's they're like what do we do i don't know (laughs) do we shoot do we not shoot um there's uh, a really tough scene where they kind of happen upon this family this french family that's still trying to live in this rubble um with a bunch of kids and of course the parents one of the the dad is like trying to pass off one of the one of the children uh probably with you know to get him to safety and of course um sergeant uh 
Captain Miller is like, we are not taking this kid. We are not taking ch children. And then of course, um, you know, one of the, one of the privates uh, played by Vin Diesel's like, come on, we should, we should do what we can. And he's like, no, absolutely not. And of course, then um, there's a sniper and the sniper takes private car Parzo down and it's really awful. And you know that this is foreshadowing. This is not going to be an easy, it wasn't ever going to be easy, but we're going to probably watch a lot of people lose their lives. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. Like you said, they're kind of going from, from town to town, talking to people and they get to, yeah, this bombed out section here of this French town, ask them to take the, take the kids there. And uh, private Caparso does and uh, ends up losing his life, which, you know, is, is obviously obviously bad and that really is starting to get to the to the crux of this and how uh captain miller and the rest of the team is you know kind of dealing with this right they're, they're sending um you know whatever it was you know these eight men out to find one man so uh that's that's kind of a question that gets asked i believe i i think maybe private mellish says you know how much is the life of uh, one person worth and it, you know captain miller says well a According to the U.S. government, he's worth the eight of us, um, and that's kind of a recurring theme, right? As you lose, um, you know, one of one of your brothers here, brothers in arms, and Private Caparso, uh, here just going through trying to do the right thing, and you know, kind of this uh, horror of war, and that gets into kind of one of the more intimate um, scenes, kind of in the middle uh, section here of the film, is you know they are dealing with the aftermath, the loss of private Caparzo and they're spending the night um, in a church, I guess, somewhere close by this uh, burned out town. And they're having a little bit more, um, you know, kind of personal uh, talks. It's like, it's less jokey. Now things have uh, taken a more serious turn as they realize, you know, kind of what these, what these stakes are and what they're really being asked to do is they're kind of processing uh, that. And you get kind of a really um, neat scene, uh, private Jackson there played by Barry Pepper as he is talking about, um, you know, how he'd pretend to be asleep. And uh, when his mom would come home from work late at night, then, you know, she just wanted to talk to him. And and why would he do that? And, you know, those are the little things that, that you do kind of in life that you don't think of until you're really kind of uh, faced up, uh, you know, against something like this where you could potentially uh, lose your life. But I, I really like kind of kind of the scene. We're learning a little bit more about uh, Captain Miller uh, here in this section. And uh, yeah, the stakes are getting pretty high, but, you know, the mission still comes first. So we are heading uh off to the next right we're just going basically from airborne team to airborne team until we uh can find uh private ryan and luckily uh we think we found him maybe yeah it's almost too easy uh we're only like an hour and a half in and i should have known uh but the first time i saw this i was like oh my gosh this the, what okay <laughs> all right and um nathan fillion of all people is mm -hmm. uh comes out of you know this long line of uh soldiers and they're like are you you know uh, james f ryan and he says yes and then you know uh, tom hanks's character sits him down and says look i've, I've got something to tell you and I'm, i don't know how to do it and he's really um this character this captain miller is j just really special because he's a soldier and he's very smart you can tell at no um you can tell but he he's also very patient i mean there's the uh Private Davies, I think, who was the translator, he has just, he, he's a complete novice to all of this stuff. He barely knows how to shoot a weapon. He doesn't know what he's doing. And Tom Hanks's character of Captain Miller is really calm. So he uses that um, when he's trying to tell this uh, Private Ryan that his brothers are dead. And of course, Private Ryan starts to cry. And then he's like, how do they die? And that's when you know something's kind of wrong, because of course, uh, Captain Miller says, well, they they died in combat. 
And Private Ryan says, well, that can't be true. They're in grade school. And then you realize that this is not the right Private Ryan at all. And they're like, are you from Iowa? And he's like, no, I'm from Minnesota. And it's like, oh my gosh. And you can see uh, Captain Miller's, uh, the acting here is so great because he kind of rolls his eyes and he's like, all right, well, um, okay, well, yeah, sorry, sorry to bother you. And he's like, wait, am I going home? I mean, because they told him because your brothers are dead, you have to go home. Are you sure my brothers are okay? Yeah, I'm I'm sure they're fine. He's like, I'm sure they're fine. It's fine. Sorry, sorry about that. And so it's really very telling because Captain Miller is really kind of the the pulse and the the he he's so calm even in the wake of all of this horrific tragedy around him he really keeps it together, um, mm-hmm. uh, but it's taking a toll. You can see throughout this part by this point you see that one of his hands is really shaking and he doesn't really understand why um, he talks about um in that church scene you were you were talking about um he kind of talks to one of the other captains i think played by ted danson actually um everybody's in this film and he's saying you know you tell yourself that you know when someone dies under you it's because we saved you know we saved so many others and he's Mm -hmm. like that's how i have to think about it or else i'll just completely go crazy um, because he's lost so many people and it had nothing to do with him, but of course he bears that responsibility. Um, And he does it with such um, grace uh, for almost all of this film. It's truly astounding. Um, And it's probably one of the reasons why they, they get as far as they get as a team, because he, Mm -hmm. when they are fighting about, Hey, I think this is stupid. Why are we all you know, putting our lives on the line to go save this one guy, you know, and he's trying to explain to the team that, Hey, there's a mother out there that's get, that's going to be told three over four sons are dead. Like, that's why we're doing it. And they're like, well, you know, I don't care. Ed Burns, character, um, Private Reben is like, I don't care. This is stupid. And they're not so nice about it. And it, rather than fight with them, he has this really calming way of dealing with them. Mm-hmm. But it's great because at the end of this scene, you're almost, you're, you've got a sigh of relief um, because you're like, well, I'm glad his, his brothers are okay. <laughs> and they're like, well, this isn't it. But he kind of rolls his eyes. He's like, yeah, I'm sure the kids are fine. All right. We got to keep going guys. Grab yeah. all your stuff, <laughs> grab your gear let's that's let's right. go to the next city that's right yeah on to the next um you get a couple more kind of uh really impactful scenes uh through here as they're moving their way from airborne company to airborne company um there's a scene where uh they get up to the to the next commander and uh kind of gives them uh you know a bag full of dog tags that they're kind of sifting through uh they're making a little light of it you know you know, these uh, these soldiers are kind of at their wits end looking for uh, Ryan now at this point. Um, they're going through and kind of this uh, other airborne uh, team who uh, look to be a little worse for wear are marching back in there. They're seeing them and, uh, you know, the which uh, obviously, you know, is going to to sort of uh, send a send a bad signal to uh, your fellow uh, combatants there as you're kind of making light of the the people that that they lost, you know, as you're on your uh, dogged pursuits of uh, saving Private Ryan. But uh, the good 
the good news is, is that does lead us to a tip of where uh, Private Ryan uh, actually is, the real Private Ryan, the one that we're actually looking for. Uh, he is in Rommel. Uh He stayed there, stayed behind to help defend a bridge. Uh, that's where he is, and that is where we are going. But we have one more uh, sort of tumultuous task uh, for Captain Miller and company is on their way to Rommel. They come across a German bunker. Uh, and Captain Miller decides that they need to take that out. Um, his reasoning is that, uh, you know, you don't want the next, you know, team squad of guys behind you coming up to run run into this bunker. So uh, we're going to take it out. And why are we going to take it out? Because winning the war is our job, says Captain Miller. But, uh, you know, taking this bunker is not without its casualties either, as our favorite medic, uh, Wade, uh, loses his life in pursuit of uh, turning over this bunker. Yeah, and it's it's really... It's none of the none of this is easy. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's one of the hardest movies to watch um, for this reason. It's not it's not the gore of it um, because he dies pretty, pretty gruesomely um, uh, and painfully over a course of a few minutes. It it doesn't happen instantly. But it's, it, you know, the thing about this film, I think that why we're talking about it so long after it's been made is that it really had this great balance of showing you the absolute horror of what people went through and doing it in a way that was not gratuitously violent. Um, we've all seen very, well, I don't, it, we've all seen very violent films that went way over the top and it really detracted from this. Um, and I thought that this scene did a really good job of showing how this, these band of brothers really came together. Um, Wade was the medic. And so they don't really know what to do. And so they're trying to put pressure on the wounds. They're, you know, checking to see because he's been shot. So they're checking to see where the bullets are. Um, he's trying to talk him through it. He's not really able to talk. And then at the end, they just ask, you know, tell us what to do. And he says, well, I could really use some morphine. And so they give him all the morphine they can. So at least he is not in agony and they just kind of hold him. And it's really hard. It's really hard. Mm -hmm. I'm all yeah. teary talking about it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one for sure. And um, you mentioned it's not uh, gratuitous uh, violence and, and gore. It's a uh, very justified uh, kind of violence and gore in what you're seeing, because it, it certainly is uh, very violent. It's you know, <laughs> very, very gory, but it's, it's within the, the confines and context of what, you know, World War II and these battles were. So it, you know, it feels, feels very real. It feels very personal um, as you're watching it and, and you're seeing Wade uh, being taken care of uh, there. And, you know, they do capture one of the German soldiers from this uh, who, um, you know, they make dig the uh, grave for Wade. Uh, but, you know, Captain Miller makes the decision to uh, let this guy go. He says uh, he's a prisoner of, of war. Um, we're sending him off to the next uh, unit and they uh, let him uh, go on his way as they're uh, still in pursuit of Private Ryan. And that is where they get. They get to Ravel. They meet uh, Private Ryan there, uh, tell him that his brothers have died. And um, he responds in the way that I think a lot of soldiers probably would have right like i you know my brothers died uh which is which is sad and um you get some really great stuff with uh, matt damon kind of processing that information later as he's telling a story about him um and just this really great scene but 
you know, he says, why, why do I get to go home? You know, everyone else here is, has fought and been hurt and are dying and seeing all of the horrors of war. The same as me. Why am I more deserving of that? Just because my, my brothers died and, you know, Captain Miller's kind of had his fill of this at, at this point, right? He's like, well, I don't care <laughs> if you don't want to go, you're going anyway. We've lost two of our guys. We've been uh, searching for you for, uh, you know, who knows how long um, at this point and they get there, but they do decide finally to kind of uh stay there they're gonna help protect this bridge until some reinforcements can get there um and we get kind of one last little battle uh standoff as the germans and the tanks are getting ready to roll through town uh towards this bridge uh here in uh kind of the final final head of our uh war story following uh captain miller around yeah and it's interesting because they they really they're trying to protect this bridge. This is the one time when uh Captain Miller does kind of lose it. Um and it's heartbreaking because he's kept it together for so long. Um it's been uh it's been really hard because he feels again it was his decision to take try and take out this bunker. It was his decision and now they've lost people and uh Private Ryan is not unappreciative of that. Um, I love how the first thing he asks when they, you know, cause the other team members are, are like, dude, you're coming with us. We've, you know, two people have died looking for you. Like this isn't cool. And the first thing he does is ask their names and, um, it's, he, it's played so beautifully, uh, kind of the exchanges between Matt Damon and Tom Hanks in this and, the um the fact that there has been a pool there's been um a pool a betting pool going around because uh captain miller doesn't talk about who he was before the war he doesn't talk about his life he doesn't talk about his job um so it's this big mystery and while the team is fighting um over you know with ryan about hey you're coming with us this isn't cool this isn't fair you know we've to come all this way he finally lets everybody knows who he is and what his what his role was, you know, he was a school teacher, and um, probably because he was a school teacher, he read the manual, and so he's got all of these kind of ideas uh, tucked away about um, these bombs that they can use, that they can make with kind of household goods that they have uh, on their person, and ways that they can help defend this bridge. And so, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. You know, Private Ryan has been. He said, I'm not going anywhere. And you can tell my mom if, you know, if I die, that that was the choice I made. And I did um, with with the only brothers that I have left. And those are the people that are here. And so the whole team kind of rallies and says, OK, we're going to help defend this bridge. And that ensues like the last big battle of the film. Um, and you see basically the death of almost every single person that came to mm -hmm. save uh, Private Ryan, um, you know, and we don't have to go and talk about all the various ways they all die. It's really well done, I will say. I mean, I'm not, I, I, I was never a war film lover um, because I just thought it was really hard. It's very hard for me to watch. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really privileged because I get to watch it and I don't, I don't, I've never gone to war. So, um, so now I, make myself but um 
the scenes are so beautifully like the set design is amazing. The special effects that they do or the effects. I don't want to say special effects because none of this is CGI. I don't believe um, the way that they engineer, like the buildings falling down and the explosions and the tanks that come through and all of that is really just sweeping and had to have been painstakingly handled in order to achieve the effect. And um, yeah. Yeah. So we've got, kind of this uh, final head as i mentioned you got the the german um soldiers and tanks are coming into town and they're trying their best to uh kind of stave off this attack to defend this kind of last bridge i think they say that there's only like two bridges left like in all of france basically or you know right. at least over over this uh this river whichever uh you know wherever that is um my geography is failing me a little bit bit here but yeah you have kind of this penultimate sort of sort of battle that's you know in Obviously, in a war sense, you know, it's the American soldiers versus the German soldiers. But on a more personal sense, it's, you know, Captain Miller and his squad are protecting and fulfilling their mission of of getting, uh, you know, Private Ryan uh, out of there. And uh, it does cost some more lives, including uh, Captain Miller, who is the last man kind of standing on this bridge before they ultimately have to uh, blow the bridge up to not allow the uh, the German uh, forces to overtake it there. You get a really kind of uh, heartbreaking uh, scene as he's just kind of firing uh, this pistol at this uh, at this tank, you know, as he's uh, grasping onto life. And then, you know, finally, some allied forces uh, swoop in with some uh, planes and, and blow up the the tank there and you get one kind of last exchange there between uh ryan and captain miller where you know captain miller kind of takes his hand and tells him to to earn this yeah because basically his life was uh worth uh six i believe were the was the final tally there on uh cap with captain miller and the rest of his his team and then uh it kind of transitions back to the normandy uh cemetery and we see the gentleman uh standing there who uh we now see is looking at the uh grave marker of captain miller um, and it, uh, the uh, old man there uh, is uh, Captain Ryan. So a little bit of a bait and switch there, kind of when the movie starts, you're led to believe that that is uh, Tom Hanks's character, Captain Miller. But uh, no, it is not. It is uh, uh, Private Ryan there um, as as an old man. And you get just uh, this uh, really wrenching thing as he you know kind of turns to his wife and uh, they embrace. And uh, he asks her basically to validate his his life. Right. Uh, a lot of people sacrificed so that he could. Uh, be there uh, standing there on that day and uh, it's it's really very touching and emotional and uh, beautiful and I you know the story is uh, a kind of kind of big in scope but there's there's a lot of that and it plays into a lot of um, you know sort of survivor's guilt in the way that you know I, I like you am very privileged as I've never been uh, put into a situation like that but I would I would imagine that a lot of people uh, feel that way um you know, why, why me, you know, why am I uh, different or more special or, you know, why didn't I wasn't asked to sacrifice as, as much as, uh, you know, these other uh, men and women who were, you know, alongside of me. That's right. Yeah. It, it, it really, um, for me, it's one of those things where this film does a great job of explaining the 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 importance and the paradigm shift that can happen through movie watching um you know i think as an american uh 
you know, we learn about World War II and we learn about the American part in World War II and we learn about all of these things and how bad it was. And But we don't really learn about those things unless it we take it upon ourselves to really get into those subjects um, because it's really graphic and because it's some of these themes are very adult. And even in high school, you know, you wouldn't necessarily learn about all these things. Um, and so this film, I think, is is a service to folks who've never had like you and me who've never had to be in that situation to uh, uh, appreciate even a very small minute sense what it was like um to be in this situation and um and that's the reason why um people to take you know memorial day and veterans day and all of those um you know those celebratory and somber days of remembrance and um and joy more seriously than than others is because of that knowledge um and again you know the the way in which this film was done i think it really paid honor to kind of the depravity of war and the fact that you know even as you were talking about that that kind of dog tag scene every dog tag was a person was an entire universe who had um parents and siblings and friends and they're no longer on the earth anymore. And it's just, it's, it's very daunting. Um, and so I think that's probably one of the reasons why it was nominated for 11 Academy Awards. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's right. Yeah. So this was, uh, this was nominated for 11 Academy Awards, uh, justly, you know, we'd, we'd mentioned it's, you know, one of the all time great films and, you know, yeah, potentially the the greatest uh, war film of of them all. So eleven Academy Awards. I won five. Uh, it lost six. Um, so uh, let's see. So what did it win? It won uh, best director for Steven Spielberg. Uh, so it was directed the best. It won best cinematography. So uh, it was shot the best, looked the best. Um, it won best sound and sound effects editing. So uh, sounded the best. And it uh, won film editing. So it was uh, put together the best. Um, but it did. It didn't win win them all though. Like I said, it did lose best score. Uh, John Williams, uh, Tom Hanks, uh, nominated for best actor, lost that one. Uh, lost set decoration. Okay. Uh, lost. Uh, lost makeup. Um, Okay, um, there was there was there were a lot of a lot of wounds uh, in things, a lot of a lot of really good makeup, um, and this one, uh, Michaela, um, it lost original screenplay. Okay, 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 fair enough, fair enough. Um, but it lost it lost best picture, Michaela, that year. Uh, there there was another film out uh, that year. It was called Shakespeare in Love. Uh, that was the one that won. It won best picture. Um, I actually watched the the presentation of that uh, today, just uh, before we started recording. Uh, Harrison Ford. Uh, is the one uh, giving out the the nomination and uh, yeah Shakespeare in love in love one um, there's a lot of uh, potential reasons why people think that is and you can feel free uh, to google those and to read those and to do your own research but um, I will say just kind of um, in short I mean obviously the ones that it won it was very uh, worthy of winning um, the makeup one is uh, really mind-boggling to me how it didn't win best makeup, um, and then obviously how how it didn't win best picture. I think was was a shock to everyone, except for uh, maybe someone by the first name of Harvey that night. I don't know, but <laughs> right, yeah, I remember watching uh, the Oscars uh, live when uh, Shakespeare in Love won. Now, to be fair, I was like a seventeen-year-old girl, and I loved the movie Shakespeare in Love, um, and I was really. Um, I was really happy that it got 
uh, the accolades that it got because I think Shakespeare in Love is great. Um, as I've gotten a little bit older, um, and e even then I thought that it was a miss, but as I gotten a little bit older, I've gotten a lot more angry about it. Um, and, and that's and that's fine. But this this film definitely has has stood the test of time. It's it's one of um, like you said, if not the best war film that's touted the best war film of all time, it's it's definitely up in like the top five um, because of all of the things that it did do really well. On top of which, um, the set decoration, I mean, how to, to set up all, the, all of that and to have meadows and the beach itself, all of the war-torn cities and the different, just all of the different scenes to make up uh, what looked very real to 1940s France is amazing mm -hmm. to me. Um, to, to have it do, to not win some of these things is, is beyond me. Um, so I think it, it, it is going to go down in history as one of the biggest misses and uh, upsets of all time. And people, if you feel rightfully that that's rightfully so, that's fine. You're wrong. Um, uh, <laughs> that's okay. That's it's subjective, but uh, you're wrong. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean Shakespeare in Love. It's a, it's a good movie. Um, and maybe any other year, I don't I don't know. But uh, Saving Private Ryan to me is kind of transcendental. Um, it's one of one of those movies that you know kind of kind of ticks off a biomarker and what cinema can be. And if you watch any sort of war movie or action movie or anything that's even a little bit actiony, I guarantee that it's doing something that Saving Private Ryan uh, created in 1998. So uh, moving on uh, from the Academy Awards that night. So Michaela, uh, this came out in 1998. We were in high school. Um, I remember myself in high school. Uh, it was a field trip. Uh, we all went, had to get our uh, letter signed from our parents that we could go uh, with the history class to go and see Saving Private Ryan. Uh, World War II, um, uh, preservation was actually a really big deal to one of our history teachers um, in high school and uh, kind of collecting that. And, you know, that's that was really I'm, it was something that was neat at the time. And even uh, now, looking back on it, it's more so neat as, uh, you know, the number of men and women who experienced this, you know, time. Uh, is really dwindling. So these stories get, you know, more and more important to preserve and to uh, teach people about so we can, you know, avoid things like this in the future. But uh, what about you, Michaela? Do you remember seeing this about the time uh, that it came out? It was it was kind of a big deal. I don't know if you remember um, this. This was obviously it was very, very triggering. We didn't even know that the word triggering, but it, it caused a lot of like PTSD um, for veterans and things who went to see it. Oh, I yeah. remember there were special like hotlines set up for um, you know, former, you know, veterans to call in who had seen the movie and things like that. I remember, um, you know, just, just from that standpoint too, but do you, well, what about you? I don't want to, uh, get in your way there. Sorry. Oh, no, no. Um, so I, I did see this. I waited until it was out. Uh, it was out in the summertime. It came out and I was able to get the box, you know, <laughs> VHS tapes. Cause I think that's what we had still back then. Maybe not, maybe we were in DVD land. Um, but I remember it was summertime because, I went to France that summer and I, that was when I, that was when I saw the beach and mm -hmm. that is when I went to the Memorial um, Cemetery there. And I remember, even though it was long distance and I thought I'd get in trouble with my dad, I called my grandpa who was on uh, one of the, one of the destroyers on D-Day. And I told him that um, I'd been there 
I didn't tell him I'd seen the movie because I didn't know how he would take that. Um, he wasn't really a big movie person and I didn't want him to think that we were making light of it or anything. But um, but I remember he asked me if the beaches looked pretty and I said they did. And he said, well, I'm glad they do today because they, they weren't pretty the day that I was there. And um, I never really asked him about anything else. He never talked about it. And um, it was my dad actually that told me I should go and as you know, 17, I was like, Eiffel Tower, woohoo. Um, and my dad was like, you should really make sure you go do this because your your grandpa was there and he was like one of two people on his boat that survived and I had no idea. So um, I I think you're right though. I, I mean, it's, it's so important. Uh, this is a film I, I can't wait to show my son. Obviously he's too young to see it now, um, but I can't wait to show him because, you know, we, we have a lot of opportunity to never have to fight like that again. Um, if we can learn from the mistakes that we have made as a society and the choices that we've made. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm really very grateful that this film was made. And I think it did a really good job of being, uh, you know, entertaining is not the right word, but paradigm shifting and, and being impressionable and also mm -hmm. being respectful. Um, you know, there's a lot of badly done war films and we can talk all about them at some point, but um, I think that this really did a, a just an amazing job. And so that I, I saw it then and I have not seen it since I watched it last night because I it's so hard for me and I'm become an emotional wreck. I can't even talk about it. We've had to, poor Brian's gonna have to edit out like half of the stuff <laughs> on this podcast. Sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's there's something very special about it in that it doesn't glorify it in any way, but it also doesn't you know really drag it through the mud either, you know, in a way so to speak, right? It doesn't it doesn't, you know, take it I don't I I don't even I don't even know how to how to phrase what I'm trying to say, but but you know, it doesn't it's it's not glorifying, you know, Captain Miller and his company and it's not, you know, condemning them. It's just, you know, telling you this is <laughs> this this is what it was right it's mm -hmm. it's very um you know just uh putting it out there um so to speak and then this kind of spurred on uh steven spielberg and tom hanks to go on and uh kind of create and produce a band of brothers uh, which was an hbo uh kind of series that uh lasted for uh 10 episodes this um uh little uh little series of that it, it did very well it won a bunch of primetime emmys it's excellent um if you're interested in those kind of uh stories at all so you definitely uh can search that out and uh and check it out and uh yeah it was just uh it's it's a really good movie i don't know if we if we did it any sort of sort of justice but it was important to talk about and especially now as we're uh kind of in oscar season you know and kind of the 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 cultural and the I don't know the the academy uh, ramifications of of what that was and what went down. And uh, like I said, I if you have any interest in that, I encourage you to uh, go ahead and uh, Google, uh, you know, nineteen ninety nine Oscars, and you'll be uh, you'll be up to your eyeballs and and things to read about uh, all the people's opinions on it. And now you have ours too. So uh, yeah, with that in mind, Michaela, uh, like I mentioned, Oscars they're coming. We've got the the nominees are out this week. Uh, we watched those. Uh, took a break from our uh, vacations to check out the nominees we're going to be doing some extra 
Academy Award bonus coverage over on our Patreon. We're going to be doing little mini episodes for the uh, movie of the year contenders, uh, probably some other uh, stuff. So you're going to want to make sure you follow along on uh, Patreon. It's a great way to support the podcast if you're interested. It's patreon.com slash drink the movies. Um, and next week on the main show, Michaela, we're going to be talking about another uh, really good film, one I'm excited to uh, check out again. I haven't seen it in quite a while. That is The Fugitive. So we've got a, a good cocktail uh, coming for that one and a good movie. So we'll have a good conversation about that. So uh, let us know um, at home if you've listened through this, if you make yourself up a Normandy flower or what your thoughts are about Saving Private Ryan and uh, what your thoughts were about that uh, that very uh, tricky Academy Awards from 1999. We want to know all that stuff. So you can uh, take pictures and send us your thoughts and comments on our social media. It's at Drink the Movies on Twitter and Instagram and Hive. It's facebook.com slash drinkthemovies. Uh, if you want to see pictures of our cocktails, you can do that at drinkthemovies.com. Um, and uh, keep an eye on that website because we'll be having our Oscar uh, giveaway, our Oscar uh, prize package for, uh, you know, you you pick them, uh, you win a prize for got some good prizes in the works uh, again this year so keep an eye on that and uh you know the best way to make sure you're getting all the content that we're dropping is to get subscribed michaela where can they do that you can find us on apple podcasts spotify stitcher good pods anywhere where anchor podcasts are distributed and we do two drops a week um and we are loving that uh, we're loving talking about movies and building the community and y'all are doing that. Uh, we're just talking here. Um, y'all are, I, we're so knocked out, um, that there's so many of you that love, uh, cocktails and movies and want to talk about it all. And, um, yeah. So if you like what you're hearing, subscribe. Uh, if you really like what you're hearing, tell your friends, uh, we want to, uh, we want an entire world full of cocktail movie watching love. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, with that in mind, Michaela, you know, we've just talked about one of, one of the greats, but I think we need to uh, decompress uh, just a little bit. Uh, we need to reflect on what we've seen and uh, do some thinking, and we probably need to uh, brush off our... Uh, I don't know, our movie, our movie tickets, our, our streaming, our remotes, and get ready because we're going to be buckling in for this year's Oscars. So hopefully we're not too far behind. Uh, but we'll keep you all up to date on all of that stuff and talk to you next time on Drink. Drink. The, the movies. movies.